0: batteries to power turbines to speed You're ready to move Always well, we start, we started like to say
1: something there's no reason why you shouldn't have complete confidence in your chances to come out of this thing
0: alive in one piece from coast to coast from border to border from one end to the other and all points in between the classic guitar rock podcast is on yes that's awesome We crank up and break down the great guitar-driven rock of the 70s and 80s, and you are invited to come along. We got a full tank of
1: gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit
0: it. And now your hosts, Jeremy and Jeff. One half teaspoon for fast, effective relief. It's time for the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Episode 21, it's Jeremy and Jeff. Hi, Jeff. How are you today? Hey, Jeremy. I'm doing pretty well. Good. Thank you. Now, if you're only listening, you don't see this, but Jeff is in a sunny, tropical location.
1: I like it. I've never used these backgrounds from Zoom. I thought that'd be kind of funny.
0: Yeah, what I do is I download them. In fact, I have one of my boss... And he loves it. In the middle of a meeting, I'll put put up this uh, background, which so it makes it look like like my boss. He's got this mean look on his face. He's standing behind my shoulders, looking right over my shoulders. I love to bring that one up.
1: Jeremy, did you get those TPS
0: reports? (laughs) Yeah, did you get the TPS for the (laughs) weenus, the weenus report? That's fun. Man, it's been again, we had too long. We had uh, almost a two week break again we've just been so busy it's been so busy for both of us. So it's, it's good to be back. And we got a great album to talk about today. And I, I hope you won't mind this Jeff, but I'm going to take a minute. I'm a, I'm a YouTuber, right? We've got the classic guitar rock channel on YouTube and the channel has debuted, debuted Valentine's day of 2014 is how long I've been on YouTube. Wow. And, you know, for the first two years, I didn't hardly do anything, right? And this is kind of some inside baseball YouTube stuff. But but there's they changed the rules on YouTube a few years ago. It used to be you could start a channel and start making money right from the very beginning. They changed it up and said, okay, you have to have 1,000 subscribers. You have to have 400,000 hours of view time. So you have to meet those two parameters, 1,000 subscribers, 400,000 hours of view time. Um, Seems like a lot. It that? is a lot. And so I had I was up to like 800 subscribers. And then all of a sudden, this new policy started a couple of years ago. So all of a sudden, I wasn't monetized anymore. It took me about a year to get up to the 1,000 subscribers. And then I was could start to monetize. And why am I saying all this, Jeff? I'm just saying this because... I'm a small YouTuber, right? I've got, well, until a week ago, I had about 3,000 subscribers. I'm now at about 5,700 subscribers in the last week. And you, how did that happen? Well, I got this one video that just took off. You know, the YouTube algorithm is kind of a mystery. No one really knows what you got to do to get views and stuff. But I had this video posted. And yes, I'm shamelessly pitching my youtube channel so go to the classic guitar youtube channel and i did this silly lesson on billy gibbons top secret lazy power chords i think nothing is it's nothing silly about that man there's nothing, nothing silly, silly about, about it that. no it's billy gibbons that's amazing about it and that video jeff has just in about the last nine days i am just a, a, today i will hit a hundred thousand views okay awesome and I have never, my top video since 2014, up until a week ago, was like 60,000 views. And that took me six years to get there, right? So, to, over the course of a week to get 100,000 views, it blew me away. I mean, it, it was crazy. And and I was telling Jeff before we started, I've made over $100 in one month from YouTube one time. So, one month out of the last six years, have I made over a hundred dollars a month? And and any of you that are on YouTube, you know, that they pay you monthly, but a minimum, but you have to have made a hundred bucks. So basically what happens is every two months, I've been getting a check from Google for about $160 or 170, because I'm making 75 bucks a month or 80 bucks a a month. And so it would come every two months, every two months, I get a payment for those two months. So I have made from this one video, gosh, for single video, three times as much as I've made, you know, in a month. So I'm super excited about that, and I'm hoping that that will kind of give me the momentum. I've added 2,000 subscribers in eight days, right? Because I keep
1: this train, train rolling. Now, That's man. what I'm keep saying. The I keep
0: the train rolling. So what am i what if I'm like the Jerry Lewis telethon here. So go to Classic Guitar Rock and subscribe to the YouTube channel and, uh, you know, watch some of the videos. Hey,
1: I'm a subscriber.
0: Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and if you're a fan of low-budget, uh, marginal right. talent guitar lessons, no, man, I'm right up your alley. I'm not to the level of Jeff. We hear no. the great bumpers that Jeff makes. His are better. Nah. But, Jeff... If you would have started a YouTube channel six years ago, <laughs> you'd be on Easy Street like I am right now. Okay? <laughs> yeah. So who's the smart guy here? So you, you, you uh,
1: <laughs> No, the, your, the, your guitar playing and the sound, the the tone and this, it was perfect. For oh that. well, and it, and it was great. Well it thank great.
0: You. But, but yeah, they're not they're not polished. and it's so funny. Anytime you put yourself out there, whether it's a YouTube or a, a podcast, you know, some people just lo- love to come at you, man. Most people are really nice, you know, and your ratio of thumbs up to thumbs down, you know, you always have way more thumbs up than thumbs down, but sometimes you get these comments and you're like, wow, am I really that bad? You know? <laughs> so you just kind of have to man. have to roll. Yeah. With it's, it's fun though. It is. YouTube is fun. I do it for fun. It's not about the money. The podcast isn't about the money, but it is nice. That's for sure. When you can make a little money from things <laughs> that you're, doing for fun so yeah and i
1: you know we, jeremy and i were talking about possibly doing some kind of collab where we could <laughs> actually both be playing and and just talking about something totally it's a yeah. song and, or a and, style or a technique or who and knows so jeff
0: we don't want to give too many details jeff's going to go on a trip here in a few weeks he'll he'll be out of the pocket for probably a week or two i'm guessing but when he comes back that's one of the things we really want to focus on is how can we do some good live streaming stuff together where we might be able to actually play some stuff? I think that'd be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I don't that. mind doing a podcast and maybe adding a live stream from from the island. Oh, well, it's
0: on an island. It's a, you know, that'd be awesome down south. That'd but be awesome. um, that'd be kind of cool. Beautiful south America. So that's great. Perfect. Well, we got, uh, we got a great album today. It's uh, we're going to talk about an uh, another album from 1970. I think the mountain album was from 70. This is the James gang or just James. It's not the James gang. It's James gang. This is their second album rides again from 1970 that we're going to jump into. But first we have some, uh, some news items. So you've got some, and I've got a couple, so I'll let you go first, Jeff. Uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame
1: 2021. Oh, don't get me gone. the inductees have been officially announced. Oh no, the Go Go's have made the cut, <laughs> and funny enough, the Foo Fighters, Carol King, Tina Turner have made the cut, and each of them have been inducted prior, as you might imagine, with Nirvana for Dave Grohl and Tina Turner and Ike Turner uh, and Carol King
0: had been inducted previous as well. So, Jeff's Jeff seeing the, the look on my face. So, <laughs> I didn't want to launch into this. I was I was intentionally not going to mention the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> and I well. this is not you know what I like the Foo Fighters. I love Dave Grohl. I love the Go Go's. I have some Go Go's albums. Okay, so this is not a critique of them or Carol King. Carol King is phenomenal. Tina Turner's phenomenal. Here's my problem. Should the Go-Go's be in before Iron Maiden? Should the Go-Go's be in before Judas Priest? I don't think so. Should the Go-Go's be in before UFO? No. Here's the deal. Nina Simone and Tom Waits are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Iron Maiden isn't. Judas Priest isn't. It shouldn't be called the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. No, it's a complete joke. Deep Purple only got in there like three years ago. Yes, got in there like three or four years ago. Kiss didn't get in there till like five years ago. And whether or not you like Kiss, Kiss should have been a first, the first year the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame came into existence. When was it like 85 or something? Kiss should have been in there, right? So yeah, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is not a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's just not. It's political. It's, It's not about rock and roll. You know what's great is watch when Steve Miller was inducted. He was inducted the same year Cheap Trick was two or three years ago. And Steve Miller just blasted blasted the Hall of Fame there at the little press conference afterwards, Wow! and he's just taking them to task, talking about what a joke it is. He couldn't even bring members of his band. They would send him (coughs) – excuse me. I'm getting all choked up, Jeff. They send, like, enough tickets for him to go – but then any other members of the band, you have to pay like $10,000 or something ridiculous. I mean, yeah, look, just, any
1: any of these big event type things like that are obviously pretty silly. He
0: was just going yeah, there. Whether it's
1: but, the Grammys or, you know.
0: They're all dumb. But this one well, is, is exceptionally bad for for the for the, for the the people that are in. Some of them clearly shouldn't be in. But even like the Foo Fighters, they're a good band. I don't have a problem with him going in. I don't have a problem with the Go-Go's going in. They're at least rock bands, you know, rock-ish bands. They play electric guitars, right? But Nina Simone, can you name a Nina Simone song? I can't. off the top of my
1: head, but she's not rock and roll.
0: No, Tom Waits. Tom Waits, great songwriter. He ain't rock and roll. Why the heck is he in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? We could do a whole... Shall just don't give me sorry. All right. to go well,
1: down. if you want to get your frustrations out, by the way, Monsters of Rock are setting are set to cruise again. Ooh. 35 acts on a boat. <laughs> 35 on
0: okay, who's and on it?
1: It's uh it's uh it's headlined by Alice Cooper. Nice <clears throat> Queen's
0: Wow, which version of Queen's I don't know. <laughs> which okay well
1: the the current version I suppose okay. of
0: Without, without Jeff Tate, right? Okay, so it's the current version.
1: Okay, this is in February 2022, so okay. so who knows? Tom Kiefer of Cinderella, Ooh. which, if you've seen his solo stuff, he's, he's good. He's, he's he's good. I like it. Yeah, Skid Row, LA Guns, Kicks, Winger, Great White. This is a hair metal. It's Pat it. Travers, YT. I love Pat Travers. <clears throat> Joel Hol- Oakstra, who's a great guitar player. Oh, he's awesome. Faster Pussycat. There's a blast from the past and more, but I wow. just think
0: that's that, that would to that. That would be fun. It would just be us and a thousand other 50 year old male pattern baldness guys on the, on the yeah. high I mean, what's yeah. not to
1: like just yeah, you know, start growing your hair now.
0: That's yeah, so all start. Well, that's the problem. It'll grow <laughs> down here. My hair looks good in the front, but behind <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, it's not doing so good. Not doing so good. So, uh, great. Any other news items? I have one big news item I wanted to share. I have a
1: I have a funny one. Let's hear uh, it. There were two studies uh, in Denmark and China for 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 whatever reason. <laughs> <clears throat> the study claims listening to heavy metal can lead to unhealthy food choices. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, who actually took the time to write this? Uh,
0: someone, article. someone paid for it too. I mean, like, someone paid to do that research. <laughs> yeah well you really that's the research you're doing i've I've never thought about that connection but i like heavy metal and i eat terrible so now i can blame i could blame the music and not me i like i like that though it takes the responsibility away from me i like i
1: think they were actually the study went like this for the you know they played the, the the music along with some sound effects so uh, when they're angry or yeah. loud and uh, you know maybe like you know chalk on a chalkboard or something right. or, and and then i guess afterwards <laughs> they say that participants would choose like you know the but mcdonald's burger versus the
0: carrot sticks or whatever yeah, turkey on uh, <laughs> wheat with lettuce and tomato wow. <laughs> it sounds very scientific uh, why don't i ever get called to those cool like focus groups i i get the calls sometimes where they'll say hey do you want to come down and uh, listen to this focus group on this initiative to build a new dam i'm no but man if it was a heavy metal thing or something that would be kind of fun so yeah cool yeah. well i've got this little tidbit of news can't remember we, we touched on this we might have a few months ago probably not any of you that have followed the Judas Priest drama, K.K. Downing retired back in like 2014. And, and the story at the time was he quit. Now, he says in the last couple of weeks that he actually feels more like he was kind of pushed out. And there's a whole other, there's a whole story, right? He wrote a book called Heavy Duty where he talks about it. I've heard him on Eddie Trunk a few times talking about it. All this gets to the point that K.K. Downing, Downing has started his own offshoot group. How's this for an original name? KK's Priest is the name of the band, <laughs> which is really stupid. Very uh, original. And they dropped their new single. And their new single is called Hellfire Thunderbolt or Thunderbolt <laughs> Hellfire or something. And I, and I, guys, I'm a huge priest fan, classic priest, up to about screaming for vengeance. I love it. I love British Steel. I love. Hellbent for Leather. I love Stained Class. I love all of that classic Priest. And so in the interviews, Tim Ripper Owens is the guy that replaced Halford when Halford left. And they put out two albums with Ripper. And Ripper, the movie Rockstar is based on Ripper Owens. I don't know if everyone knows that. And in fact, Judas Priest was involved in the early creation of that movie. But there got to be because it was going to be about Ripper Owens and about Judas Priest it's almost going to be like this autobiography. But then at some point, legal issues came into play and the record company didn't like how some of this, So then all of a sudden, they just made a clean break from Judas Priest. There was no involvement from Judas Priest, no involvement from Ripper Owens. They just kind of made it a generic story about this guy from a cover band who becomes the lead singer of a real band. But that was based on Ripper Owens. And Ripper, no Owens yeah. Yeah, and Ripper Owens does a great job. He can pull off Rob Halford. He can sing the old classic stuff. He can sing the new stuff. They made two albums with Ripper when Halford left. One was called Jugulator. One's called Demolition. These are the two heaviest priest albums. I mean, it's heavy, heavy. So when I've read in interviews that KK's Priest was going to go for the classic Priest sound. I was excited. So KK's Priest has Ripper Owens. He's been a member of Judas Priest. Uh, Drummer Les Binks, who was on Hellbent for Leather. I think he was on two different Priest albums, Stain Class and Hellbent for Leather. A great drummer. He's one of the originators of this, the fast double bass drumming that, of course, everyone does now. But in the mid-70s, there weren't a lot of guys that did that. So Les Banks was in it. So on the interwebs, right, there's been this debate about which which band is more legit. KK's Priest has as many legit members as Priest does now. Because in Priest, all you got now is Rob Halford and Ian Hill, the bass player. The drummer, Scott Travis, he's been in there for 20 years. So he's almost like an original member. But KK's got three members priest has three members so there's been all this debate about which ones which one's the best one to see for the real true priest experience well they dropped the new song thunderbolt hellfire hellfire thunderbolt i really wanted to like it (laughs) yeah it's not bad i won't say it's bad but i was hoping for more so anyways we got that going for us that was my new news item Boy, right. Jeff, between you bringing up the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and then me talking about KK's Priest, I'm just all in a bad mood. All of a sudden, so Joe Walsh will bring, bring us back. Up. Joe Walsh will bring us back. So when we come back, we're gonna jump into this classic album from 1970, The James Gang rides again. Woo. Attention. If you live in Spokane, Washington, and have teeth, this message is for you. Braun and Jarvis Family Dentistry knows teeth. Incisors, bicuspids, canines, molars. No tooth is too big or too small. I was delighted and impressed. So impressed, I bought the company. With Braun and Jarvis, you'll have the sweetest grill in the inland northwest. And let's be honest, nobody wants a funky grill braun and jarvis family dentistry 509-464-2391 that's 509-464-2391 braun and jarvis family dentistry quality dentistry that doesn't suck Welcome back to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast, and Jeff, I can't believe I did this. Uh, Jeff, our musical director, has been making uh, bumpers, really good bumpers. And last episode, tell us what happened. I, I want you to recount what, what happened last episode with the bumper you shared, because remember you said, I made this bumper, and then when I played it back, it sounded kind of familiar.
1: Yeah, I mean, as I was playing, I was like, "Oh, it's kind of familiar," but I mean, probably a million songs, or you kind of go like that. Yeah. But then when the final thing came out and I was listening on my my monitors, mm-hmm. just just cranking it, I was like, "Da da 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 like, "Oh my God, it's the it's the it's the." Eh. It's the A team. It's the A team. And I'm like, well, you know, I didn't mean to do that. Yeah, really it was
0: subconscious,
1: of course, but it it was cool enough that we just went with it and then last and, podcast offered up a, "Hey, anybody guess this? Please send us an email if you, you
0: know." Yeah. And we have a taker. Yes, so Dave Collinson emailed us. It's short but sweet. He says, "Enjoy the podcast. The A-Team theme song is on my work playlist, okay? So <laughs> he he nailed it. He, he caught it was the A-Team bumper. So that's great. Thank you very much, Dave. We're going to come up with some sort of prize to give you. So at some point, we need to reach out to you and get your address or something. We can send you something cool because he's do, the winner. Do, do you play guitar? Yeah, Dave, if you play guitar let us know because we could send you some guitar related stuff for sure. So, uh, but thanks Dave for listening and our email address, by the way, classic guitar rock at mail.com. Another thing, if you go, if you listen to us on anchor and I'm not sure how this works with other podcasts, if you listen to us on another platform, but I know if you listen on anchor, you can actually leave a voice message and we get that and we can play that on the air. But, but cool. I don't know how you leave. I don't know if you have that option to leave a message if you aren't listening on the Anchor platform. I don't know. There's is, that that. Your, is that your app of choice? Uh, well, I yeah. use Anchor because Anchor distributes it to everywhere else, basically. Right. So it just saves a lot of work. Uh, and there are debates back and forth. You know, is that the best way to go? Or should you, you know, for me, it works great. I love it. And it's a free platform. There's a plug for Anchor. If you're a podcaster, I like Anchor. It works well. And you use that to listen to uh, to, to your other podcasts? You know, that that's funny that? you say that. Usually when I listen to podcasts, I use uh, Apple Podcasts, iTunes. And we're on iTunes, so it doesn't matter. Listen to us wherever. Here's another thing that's really helpful too, Jeff. If folks will leave a review on on Apple's the easiest place to leave a review. If you listen on Apple, leave a review of the podcast, rate the podcast. Those things are all really helpful and help with all kinds of things. So it's great. Yes, Let's talk about this album. This is James gang rides again from 1970. Most of us are aware of Joe Walsh. Okay. We've talked about Joe Walsh a little in the, uh, in the Eagles when we did the hotel, California one. And, And another thing, just a little piece of history. I can't remember if we shared that, but Joe's, manager way back from James gang days or or the producer, I mean, is Bill Simzik Mm -hmm. who was the, became the Eagles producer after Glenn Johns. The Eagles had Glenn Johns for like the first two or three albums and they'd go to England and record these. And Glenn Johns is a British guy. They met Bill Simzik through Joe Walsh because Joe Walsh had played open for them a lot. They got to know him well, and they got to know Bill Simzik. And so they fired Glenn Johns and brought on Simzik. And then Simzik says, guys, let's get Joe into the band. And so that's how Joe Walsh wound up in the Eagles. And they were all for that. And the rest is kind of history as far as the Eagles goes. But Joe yeah. Walsh has his roots from, you know, back in the sixties playing around Cleveland, I think we kind of touched on this he's born in Kansas his dad was an air force flight instructor and and actually died when Joe was 2 years old I wasn't aware of that his father his his biological father died in a crash when Joe was only 2 and then he was adopted his his Walsh he got the name Walsh from his his new dad you know when his wife remarried and he was adopted and they, he lived in New Jersey, New York. But it was really in Cleveland where Joe Walsh really got his, yeah. his footing.
1: Two words I'm just going to throw out there randomly. Like ambition and military. <laughs> when we talk about the James
0: King. Yeah. Well, intru- and, and yes. I'll
1: tie, I'll tie it together. Tie it. We,
0: well, we tie it. Okay, so let's talk about <laughs> that. Now, this is their second album, uh-huh. right? And anything you read about James gang is it, it's the second and third album are the good ones. Okay. I'm not saying the other ones are bad, but the second and third ones are good. Those are the ones with Joe. And I think, I think Joe's on three total, right? Maybe, maybe, well, he's on the, he's on one, two, maybe he's on three studio and on one live. I think, I don't remember, but uh, tell yeah tell he's us on the he's on the first though right he's on the first so. yeah he's on the yeah, first so your, your album, album rides or again. yeah is your album the first yeah yeah your yeah. album then rides again and then the one in 72 with the Walk one in 72 away. yeah and then there's a live one right or is that the live one no i don't think so okay but he's he he's gone by like 72 or 73 right yeah 72. Because okay. he, he moved to Colorado
1: and recorded, uh, you know, as as Barnstorm in, in Caribou Ranch in uh, Ned, Netherlands.
0: And Barnstorm.
1: is really like his solo.
0: Yeah. And, and I like it. I like it. But it's it was a lot mellower than I was expecting. It's good, though. I mean, if anything, Barnstorm and even this album, and I'm getting ahead of myself, I always picture Joe Walsh as the garage rock. You know, loud, bluesy guitar player. You know, his whole image is kind of this. Remember when he was on the Drew Carey Show for a while? He was on like ten episodes of the Drew Carey Show. He was no. When Drew know. and the guys started a band, he was their guitar uh, player. Oh, I vaguely yes. Yeah, I vaguely there's an episode six. where they're auditioning Slash and they're auditioning yeah, all that yeah, yeah. people, yeah. and and they wind up picking Joe Walsh, one of the Ramones. <laughs> nice. too. that was awesome but the thing that that has always surprised me about about barnstorm about side 2 of this album that we're talking about today is how talented joe walsh is really from he's a multi-instrumentalist he plays piano and organ he sings he's a phenomenal rock guitar player but he plays beautiful acoustic stuff he's a, just a really well great
1: songs writes hooks
0: yeah yeah.
1: Makes great faces.
0: Yes. Makes great faces. He's funny. Yeah. No, he's, he's a good guy. I like him. Tell us about the, your theme. Yeah, I want you I to was, pursue this ambition military theme here. This is interesting.
1: Well, the ambition thing's really simple, but it just goes to show like when Sammy Hagar, we were talking about Montrose mm-hmm. a couple back, how he just walked up and knocked on the door. Sammy Hagar did and yeah. he said, Hey, I want to join your band. I've got these songs. Right. Right. Apparently, Joe Walsh just walked up and knocked on the door of Jim Fox, the drummer, and same thing. And Steven Tyler, do you remember when Joe Perry, I think, drove up in his car and Steven Tyler was like, hey, maybe we'll work together. It's just, you know, this sort of like serendipitous kind of just, just go out and do it. Go out and ask somebody. Go out and say hello. Put yourself out there, in other words, right? Yeah. So I was just, I read that. That's a,
0: that's a, that's a, we're not a, we're not a self-motivation podcast, but that's a real lesson (laughs) there. Seriously. It is because imagine if Joe, if Sammy hadn't had the nerve to just go up and knock on the door and say, I want to be in your band, their whole lives could have been different. That's interesting.
1: I have a hard time doing that now. Yeah. I'd like to just put it out on craigslist and say you know hey anybody want to play grateful dead music because the band i'm in likes classic rock and they don't love it but they'll play it right but i want to i i can't even do that i don't you know it's like i can't even do that because then it's like oh well then you know i gotta have this and i gotta make sure i'm up to speed on that and then we gotta actually get together and like it doesn't have to be that hard man you just you just do it all right the other thing i'm reading and there's this must have been a time, you know, the draft was happening this right? late 60s. Yeah. And yeah. so I don't want to get into all the details, but various right. members came and went and were replaced because they joined the military.
0: Or they were drafted. Yeah. That happened yeah. at least three times where it mentioned yeah. so-and-so came in to play base. Then he was drafted. So he was yeah. replaced by someone. Then in I don't know if you you picked it up, but it sounds to me like
1: a military snare jumpy Oh, in, in, in uh Yeah yeah or maybe when it comes into the into the the end of bolero maybe i don't remember when it was but there's a
0: i was i that's in my notes how funny like yeah it's a very military type marching totally totally it does mention the one guy sorry i don't have his name the notes in front of me but the one guy was actually a wall from the army while he was playing with the band and then finally left and moved off to to california but in those days especially man you didn't go awol that was not a good choice but yes that was a very common thread through the history of the band is members were getting drafted and leaving they'd have to replace people and then you get uh joe walsh and jim is it jim fox jim fox jim fox and joe walsh jim fox the drummer man what a phenomenal drummer and the bass player. bass player came in here. It was uh, Peters, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Dale Peters replaced Dale uh, Tom, Peters. Tom, Chris.
0: Yes. Tom Chris was on the first album and then Dale Peters came in and you talk about power trios, man. You we've had mountain uh, we've talked about cream all three of these guys, right? You think about this. This is what's great about a power trio is there's only three of you, right? You don't get in each other's way. But what's bad about a power trio is there's only three of you, <laughs> right? So it's, you got to cover a lot of sonic territory and these guys do it. I mean, it's really, yeah, <clears throat> really good. I like, and- I like to just pick a song and say, okay, this song, all I'm going to listen to is the bass. All I'm going to listen to his drums. All I'm going to listen to his Joe and, and all three times you're like blown away. Cause they're like, this is just really good stuff. Yeah. yeah, I
1: think at the time in 1968, Joe, Joe joined the band, but there was uh, there was a four-piece. I guess, yeah. who was the Was he playing keys? This kid, he was in high school. Yeah,
0: he was still in high school, I saw, and and was playing and might have been singing and doing keys or something. And
1: then this Silverman guy
0: came back who
1: had gotten drafted. And so I don't know, they were a four-piece and they got invited to open up for Cream. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how that happens without, like, major success or album. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the Silverman guy, he said he couldn't do the show. Yeah. But the band needed the money. And so they went ahead and opened up for Cream as a trio and liked their sound. Yeah, they they did it and they decided,
0: you know what? This was cool playing as a three-piece. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Stuck with it. Interestingly, once Joe left, most of the later versions... Were four pieces they'd bring in, like, uh, so Tommy Bolin, who replaced Richie Blackmore in Deep Purple, uh, he was in James Gang on Joe's recommendation. In fact, there's a funny interview you can find on YouTube of Jim Fox and Tommy Bolin talking about the fact that you know Joe left and and he called me back and and recommended this guy, Tommy Bolin to come into the band. And he did, you know, and he played an album or two with them. Yeah. All three of these guys, as you listen to them, they're really good. Really good. And so another plug, shameless plug for my YouTube channel because I've spent the last week and a half listening to this album. I've always fiddle farted around with Funk 49 and can kind of, you know, I can basically play it. Uh, So I put up a lesson. And on the coattails of of this ZZ Top lesson that has taken off over the last week and a half, my my Joe Walsh lesson is doing pretty well. So there's another shameless plug, invitation for you to go check out the Funk Forty Nine
1: lesson. So check it out, check it's it fantastic out, fantastic song.
0: And, and uh, it, it's just we play it. Song. Do you? It's like we're gonna play it as soon as I I I've already texted the drummer and say, Brad, listen to this, and let's play it because we could totally do it. I've been playing it in, since high school. Wow.
1: Well, then, didn't play it for probably twenty years, and then it's, with this this band, I'm like, hey guys, we gotta bring, a we gotta play song. this song, and it's, it's one of our like favorite.
0: And it goes over with the crowd. The crowd loves it.
1: Yeah, you know, in uh, 1970, they opened up for the Who, the James Gang, or James Gang. Yeah, six dates. <clears throat> Pete Townsend was was blown away by Joe Walsh, and they invited them to to went over to, to
0: England and to tour it. with them a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty And they've been good friends all through all the years. Yeah, they're still good friends. There's a lot of great press about Joe. You know, Eric Clapton talks about him. I think Jimmy Page talks about him. You know, I don't want to say he's underrated because I think everyone has always talked of him as being a good guitar player. But even among other players, he's one of these guys that's very well respected. He's a guy that you see playing with other people all the time. I mean, if there's a festival for a call, his big, one of his big causes is veterans. Every year he does a big show for veterans. He's very involved in, which is awesome. He's had struggles with addiction. He's been clean for gosh, like 30 years now or something, but he's very committed to helping folks in recovery and all of that. So he's, I really like Joe Walsh. He's just, I'm just a big fan of Joe Walsh. I definitely think that's great. me too man so we talked about funk 49 that's how the album starts just it's just a jam i mean it's, it's how can you not there's nothing to it's sloppy and it's and it's rowdy and it's wrong it's just a perfect perfect song
1: right it's got a great hook it's oh. got that it's got that m- m- minor to major like you know donna Hammer on um, a great sound, yeah, and and just awesome uh, bass and fantastic oh, drum fills.
0: My favorite part of the song, which I don't, I don't know how to play right, is after the big long bongo interlude, right? And, <laughs> you know, after all of that, that when he comes back in, and you know, he just played it off the top. It's just off the cuff. He just does this raunchy. <laughs> lick, <laughs> it's just it's awesome it's awesome and now my understanding is i read this a long time ago i didn't verify this but i remember reading years ago that that was a fender champ and when i say fender champ i'm assuming like an old tweed champ just cranked that was sound as strap through a fender champ cranked and, I can, and
1: for budding guitar players to be able to work on your right hand while muting and get exactly. that kind of like muted, kind of like scratchy. That funky,
0: we used to call it whitewash, putting a little it's whitewash a really,
1: in there. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a great exercise oh. for all you beginning guitar players when yeah. you're trying to get and, that sound, that effect. It's a,
0: it's a um, I, I, they're similar in some ways. Billy Gibbons, right? Uh, the, a lot of the things I like about Billy Gibbons are the same things I like about Joe is that they're both very, you know, we think that guitar players just plug in and go and some do right. I think that Joe Walsh and Billy Gibbons, both are, are guys that put a lot of thought into their sound, into their tone. Everything they do is for a reason, you know, they both have very distinct sounds and obviously, the, the way they play, they play. Uh, there are some similarities between them, but but it's 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 really to me the attention to to the detail of their sound that both of them have. You know, if you look throughout their careers, they've always got these great guitar sounds. Always. And ZZ Top's first album, "Neighbor Neighbor," uh, "The Squank." You know, all those great songs on the first album kind of the same time that was 71 i think but it's the same general time frame as this album and i get kind of the same vibe from this as i get from zz top's first album it's funny there's the song woman the, the third song That's what i was just gonna say woman and then at the beginning of that the squank song on on zz top's first album woman starts out the same i'm like oh those. i heard when i heard it on this album i'm like wait 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 that sounds just like the ZZ Top song. So I would go back and forth between ZZ. There's some similarities there, but it's two great albums, by the way. We should do ZZ Top's first album at some point. Yeah.
1: I've got but, the same notes about woman.
0: Yeah, that's funny. So uh, we got Funk 49. And I kind of was talking about this last week. We go into Ashton Park, which is <laughs> just a little instrumental thing. And I talked about how Joe's using his reverb – or his delay here, this is almost a precursor to the, the later stuff we'd hear from like David Gilmore and, you know, some of these guys that would get into the more delay and stuff, but we're hearing this way back in 1970. It's kind of cool. It's like a country chicken picking. And... It's
1: almost like, I'm sure it wasn't a pedal, but I could be wrong. It might just be like a tape delay. It probably is. And it feels like he just discovered how to, how to use it. Cause he syncs up with rhythm and they just left it on the album, Like they just hit record and they're probably. like, it's cool. Let's make that a song. Let's leave
0: it. Yeah. But it's cool. It's just kind of a cool groove. And when we talked about woman, I, I'm, I'm probably moving too fast. If you have something about Ashton Park, or no,
1: no, I was just going to say, I want to f- figure out if anybody knows uh, maybe what he was using for that sound. Was it like a roll tape echo you know, the 201, the Space Echo one, or I'm just saying Benson, the Benson uh, tape echo was based
0: on the time. I think it would have to have been like a Benson, yeah, or a, a because I don't know what other probably all the delay units at that point were tape were taped. I'm assuming I don't know. I think that's a Gilmore, yeah, it's, been using. it's it's uh, it, but it's kind of cool. Then we we get into Woman, which is just a rocker. I love I love Joe's vocals through this whole album. He has such a unique, I say whiny, but I don't mean it in a bad way. You know what I'm talking about, right? He's just got this kind of, he doesn't have a pretty voice, but it works. Even on the slow, mellow songs, it works. It's a very, what's the word? It's very earnest, a very earthy. That's what makes it work, right? Is it doesn't sound like a trained singer or whatever but it just it works you know i love it's unique it's unique and you can tell it's him right away but i particularly like the singing on woman i just i just really dig that song
1: the bass tone on the intro
0: yes if you listen to it in headphones i gotta go back and i haven't listened it's so fat it's so fat yeah it's great this guy's bass is phenomenal throughout it's just really good but i think my favorite song is uh, probably the bomber, and you were talking. It's talk- certainly the most ambitious. Yeah, you're talking about the drum beat uh, in the middle, but the bomber is a is a three part song. There's closet queen section, and then a the section called bolero, and then cast your fate to the wind. And Jeff was alluding to the military drum part at the end of the closet queen part it kind of mellows you, you get this groove and it's just kind of grooving along and the bass is just a lot of sweet bass playing and the drum. I mean, it's just a groove and then all of a sudden the drums slowly get a little more, what's the word regimented until he's finally just playing a full on military March. And I was not aware of this for most of the history of this album. Bolero was edited out of this Yeah. Song. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Yeah. And that's my, that's one of my favorite parts of the whole album and the later digital. So Bolero is a famous classical piece by Ravel. Who, who was yeah, the, yeah. Maurice Ravel, Ravel French so, composer. Is that right? And, and if you guys heard it, you'd probably go, Oh uh, yeah, I've heard that. You know, it's kind of a, it's not like a Beethoven symphony that everyone recognizes, but it's one that you probably have heard it somewhere. And so, and this is what's cool. Cause you're hearing this bluesy pentatonic rock. And then all of a sudden he goes into this little classical part for like a minute or two Yeah, with this, with this military beat. It's just kind of takes you from, you're not expecting it. Right. And then it, it winds back into being a, you know, a rocker part there again at the end with catch your fate to the wind. But, and the whole song is about seven minutes long or something. It's kind of long, seven minutes, but it's got, you know, the kind of, uh, jammy part you know in the middle kind of long extended jammy part which is really cool which I
1: don't know if you felt the same or heard the same thing but there's a there's a slide there's some slide work yes there some is delay and that little section brought me right to live at Pompeii some part I don't remember the name of the song he was working on but he's got this slide when did live, distortion live and and Pompeii delay.
0: was like 71 or 72 71 yeah yeah. And if
1: you go if you go back and listen and then go, I don't remember what tune, maybe we can put it in our in our comments in the future here. Yeah. But uh it reminded me so much of Gilmore doing his I distorted totally slide with delay. Now
0: the thing about slide, slide can be very and I don't mean this as a slam, right? But when I think of slide, I think of you know, like George Thurlog. You know, you think of the cliche, simple blues slide stuff. But in that part of the song you're talking about where he's got the delay and it's the slide, I'd forgotten about that part. Joe does it in a way that's very, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, these guys, what's it's a whole st- ambient, you know, like these ambient guitarists that, that just do a lot. It, it's And this is 1970, right? But it's got that whole ambient feel. To it's beautiful the way he does it. And it's not it's not your typical kind of blues based slide riff. You know, it's a very artistic, beautiful way the way he he does it. It's really cool.
1: Yeah, somewhere about the 230, 235 range. Okay. It kind of starts.
0: It's it's gives me
1: that Pompeii. By the way, people are listening. If you haven't seen Live of Pompeii,
0: I have seen that. And Even just, if
1: you're a middle of the road Floyd fan, yeah. it's
0: just, it's, it's really just fantastic. It's funny. You mentioned that. I saw that on like PBS one Saturday night when I was like a senior in high school and I was never a huge Floyd fan, but I just, I was just sitting there and I watched it and I sat through the whole thing and it was like mesmerizing. I never got to be a huge floyd fan but i became a huge david gilmore fan and i've gotten to be a bigger floyd fan since then but but i can remember that album making an impression or that concert film making an impression on me way back then the thing i i wanted to come back really quick to this bolero part the estate of that composer sued them and so like starting in the early 70s all the the versions that came out it, they just cut out that part of the song. So you miss that whole Bolero part. Yep. So they must've settled something somewhere, but the digital version now has it back in. And I never even knew it was gone. So if if I was to go to the used record store and buy the record, it probably wouldn't have the Bolero part on it. I would have got home and put it on the turntable and been really ticked off. So now
1: I know. Oh, by the way, first Funk 49, five picks for me.
0: Oh, yeah, I, we forgot to rate them.
1: Aston Park, three picks. Just because. Woman, five picks. Bomber, five picks.
0: I would give them exactly the same scores. Five, three, five, five. Yep, five guitar picks. Definitely. Where does side one end? Well, it sure seems like that ends side one. From a, <laughs> st- from a stylistic I production. would think so, but I don't have the physical album in front of me. I would assume... We're looking at our track listing. I'm looking in Wikipedia and normally they break it down by side one and side two, but in here it doesn't. But yeah, I'm assuming side one ends after the bomber because the bomber, even though that's only four tracks versus one, two, three, four, five on side two, the bomber, that track four is long. It's like seven, eight minutes long. And so here's the thing I had talked to Jeff about earlier, which kind of surprised me is, and I'm sure this is done by design. Side one is a rockin' side. It's it's the rock side. And then side two is very mellow. The whole side is mellow. And it's just interesting that it do that because usually albums kind of mix it up. But this is a time in the 70s where they really thought in terms of albums and sides of albums. And so play, order, and all of these things... They were really important to a lot of bands. And you would see bands, you know, the Cars, for example, side two of the Cars album is all blended together, that whole side of the album. One song fades right into the next, and I love that. But even on an album like this, you know, I'm sure there was, even though it might seem kind of weird to not mix it up a little, they made the choice to let's do all rockers on one side and all mellow on the other side. And I wonder why they did that.
1: It's yes, you know, that's where... They or Joe was, you know. That's he's sort of a two-sided, uh, to me, a like a you know on a coin. You know, he's got mm-hmm. this rocker player, guitar, blues, awesome slide, right? His bends are impeccable. Oh, yeah, So groovy and funky, and then he's got this melodic, sort kind of like songwriter writer yeah. kind of like melancholy, a little yeah. bit, a uh, little bit introspective lyrics,
0: and. I just, I think it's cool. I think I agree. You know,
1: he's a musician. He is a
0: musician. That's he's a the songwriter. Thing. He's a musician. He's a songwriter. I think we tend to categorize people and we think of rock guitarist, Joe Walsh, but yeah, he's a lot bigger than that. And there's organ throughout this album in different places, you know, kind of nice B3 things going on. And I'm assuming that's Joe that's doing those because he's, he's an organ and piano player too. And even in the Eagles, people don't realize this a lot. He he did a lot of keyboard stuff in in the Eagles as well. Yeah, Uh, he's credited.
1: He's credited as with keyboards on this album. So yeah, you have to imagine it's It's probably him doing it. The B three, which is awesome. I'll never get tired of the B three sound. I love this tune. I was listening to this album, and all of a sudden, I'm it got to this song, and I'm looking around the house, and I'm looking outside.
0: You're talking Tin My Garden? Is that the yeah.
1: Okay. yeah this, so it's got this like 15 seconds almost of silence. Yeah, completely dead. And then this high-pitched mm-hmm. synth thing comes through. And, I, and it felt like it was coming from some yeah. other place. That's funny. I'm not sure how they achieved that or if it was just it's my ears. But I'm like, what's going I'm looking. I'm opening doors. I'm looking what around. Is it like, what's going, is this, is like a boiler? Like, you know, <laughs> I'm going out with my furnace. And all of a sudden, you know. It, it, it comes in with the the bass, about a minute, and then the yeah. Hammond B3
0: with the drums. Which, I, and it's that really Hammond, cool. And is there – I'm sure there's guitar in it, but now that you mentioned it, I remember listening, and for much of the song, it's a B3, a bass, and drums. And then there's uh, – guitar comes in eventually, but I can remember being surprised that it took so long till I heard guitar. Yeah, I don't yeah, let's see when the guitar is. Yeah, it, it seems like it takes a while and then it's very subtle and then it kind of comes in more Jeff's actually listening as as we do this in real time. I don't know. It's a
1: mostly it's the mostly it's the Hammond. Yeah. There's a breakdown in it. I don't know if you've heard this, but it sounds like a TV show or a movie soundtrack.
0: To I'll have to go back and listen. Yeah. But I really like this song. And then and then the next song is Garden Gate. Which I, I don't know if it's just coincident, if it's supposed to be part of the same song. Lyrically, I can't remember enough to see to think if it's a continuation of the same song. Uh, I think it.
1: It's might- got that drop D. You know, this is the first time we're really hearing that kind of acoustic. Yes. Yeah. Right. You're, this is that a full-on cover. like acoustic song. Yeah, it's short though, right? It's it like is short. Yeah, it's pretty seconds. short.
0: What? It ha- what did you give Tin My Garden? I have that four picks for that. Because I really like it. It's mellow, but I really okay. dig the song. I gave I gave it four picks too. Okay. Yep. Same. And then Garden Gate, you know, three, three and a half. I mean, it's it's a it's a good song, but it's really short and didn't leave as lasting an impression as some of the other. I feel
1: people. like someone's sitting down on the dock in the bayou and they're strumming some yeah. delta blues thing. Yeah,
0: totally. That's cool. a good analogy. Yeah. (laughs) The next one is There I Go Again, which is I'm I'm just having to remind myself of these songs. I like that one. That was one of the ones I like, too.
1: I like that one a lot for the the lyrics. It's kind of where I am in my life right now.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah. and, And it's like you said, this is the introspective Joe. You know, this isn't the garage rocker Joe. This is the more introspective Joe. And you can say the same thing about the rest of the album actually when you talk about the lyrics and the vibe, but there I go again, I have four, I gave four uh, picks too. And number eight, thanks. The name of the song is just thanks. And that's just kind of a nice little folk song I gave it a three. You could come up with that today, right? You yeah, exactly. Those yeah. Today. Be, be yeah. thankful. and thank, It's about any he's saying choose this. Thank this guy. Thank, you know, it's, it's kind of a good song. And then I think it's the last one. Ashes, the rain and I, that's the mellowest track. Big orchestration. Yes. Lots of strings. Yes. And that's the thing is, is the last thing I, you know, if I'm basing my knowledge of the James gang on, Funk 49 and Walk Away, two phenomenal songs. And what I know about Joe Walsh, Life's Been Good. You know, I'm totally not expecting really side two of this album, but especially track nine, Ashes, The Rain, and I is just a beautiful, like you said, there's strings in it. That's not what you envision coming from Joe Walsh and James Gang. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You uh I love it though. I love that it's a beautiful song. And I have like four and a half picks for that. Wow. I like it. Yeah.
1: I really I like think it. it's beautiful too. I think it's great. I gave it a three because cause well
0: in the classic rock sense It's but, well, that's true. Yeah, it's but, definitely but, not. But but if you were to just play that song isolated by itself and then play funk forty-nine, you wouldn't think it was the same band, right? It's they're very, very different. And remember how now that you said this, remember how when we were talking about Hotel California, you said, you know, it would have been cool if they would have put all the rockers on one side. Then I could just listen to one side of the album. Right. And that's what they did on this album. Mm-hmm. They they heard Jeff and they put all the rockers on side one and Thanks, all the stuff. <laughs> Thanks, man.
1: One little cameo that I don't know if you mentioned in uh, There I Go Again, uh-huh. track seven. There's a pedal steel in that. Ah. Which is really nice. There is. And that's, that's this guy, Rusty Young, who he's been in a bunch of bands, I think. But for my reference, he was in Poco.
0: That's where uh, I knew it was. Which, team which, come.
1: Okay. Yeah, which Buffalo Springfield kind of dissolved. And then I guess, I don't know if I'm correct here. Some summer, summer, half the band came, you know, got, the, got together. And Sosa Poco, and he's he's playing on with that with those guys.
0: And and then. and and the interesting Eagle connection there is Meisner started out in Poco, mm-hmm. left, and guess who replaced him? Timothy B Schmidt replaced him in Poco, and then when Meisner left the Eagles, Timothy B Schmidt came and replaced him in the Eagles. So there's kind of some history there too. And and what you're seeing is. It's kind of a small family, right? The Eagles knew Joe Walsh. They all knew Poco. They probably knew the Flying Burrito Brothers and probably knew all these different people from the – though the James Gang was really more Midwest. They weren't California. But somehow the Eagles became acquainted with with Joe Walsh and James Gang. But
1: These are are American bands and rock bands, right? American bands. So Britain had their thing happening at the same time yeah cream and sabbath zeppelin and leftover Yardbirds and right all those bands that we you know humble pie but we should do we had all these guys we should do
0: a springfield a u.s version of the classic rock family tree yes we could do that we totally could that would be awesome that might be a good a good episode one more
1: thing funk 49 is badass if i can say that but Funk Forty Eight on the album before is also badass. It is. It's almost if, similar. If you listen to
0: the greatest hits, I believe they put Forty Eight and Forty Nine back to back, which is kind of cool.
1: Yeah, Funk Forty. You guys should play that too.
0: Well, here's why is it called Funk Forty Nine? I wish I I knew. I knew you were going to ask that. Yeah, I just I don't <laughs> know if there was a story about that or or whatever, but. This is a really good album. And I know I sound like a broken record. As I go back and listen to our episodes, Jeff, I say that like 10 times every, this is just a really good album. Right. But it is, this is a, a (laughs) a good album. And you know, we talked about, we kind of made this case in when we were talking about, Oh gosh, probably when we talked about Led Zeppelin, probably when we talked about mountain, this came up and you, you made the case about the British side versus the American side these guys think think about some of the american hard rock bands james gang blue cheer montrose came a little later frank marino i mean there's a pretty he's i think he might have been canadian i don't know whatever but my point is I don't mean to be but I'm kind of an anglophile or or a europe snob because so much of the classic rock that I listen to is the british stuff but I've been tr- and you notice Jeff I've kind of been trying to make a conscious effort you have too maybe not consciously but I have kind of intentionally been picking american bands because my tendency is to go lean towards the british stuff we've done we've done led zeppelin We've done UFO, but man, think we've done Mountain. We've done oh, humble pie is British. We've done Mountain. We've done the Eagles. We've done ZZ Top. We've done James Gang. We've done much. We've done a lot of American bands. Aerosmith. Aerosmith. Yeah. Early
1: Aerosmith is.
0: Yeah, that's all pretty influential stuff. So there's there's a solid American hard rock foundation also, and so. Uh, that'll be interesting. I want to think about this whole American classic rock family tree. That that will be fun to do. But overall, I was just telling Jeff before we started today that of all of the album, now there's some albums that I picked that that I already knew in and out, like Twenty One Twelve, like Montrose, ZZ Top. But a lot of these albums, Jeff and I have intentionally kind of been going out and finding these albums that that we all are aware of, but have never really listened to humble pie is a good example. Mountain climbing is a good example. And I was telling Jeff of all of those types of albums that we've picked, this has been my favorite. I I just really like this. I've always liked Joe Walsh, but uh, this has just kind of increased my respect for him as, as a player. It was a great album. Yeah. Love him. Love Jim on the drums. Oh, great drummer. Cool. Someone told
1: me someone told me, it's named James gang after Jim. And I'm like, really? Hmm. And then I found out obviously it kind of makes sense with the name of this album, but they're named after like Frank, the, and Jesse, Frank, the, and Jesse, uh, James. Yeah, j- yeah. Yeah. Jesse yeah. James. That's gang. what
0: I, that's what I thought. But which is
1: which, 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 which just
0: a ping pong oh. off of your American, truly American kind of thing. Homegrown. That's right. Frank and Jesse. Yeah. It doesn't get much more American than that. So no. for sure. No. Well, it was great. Guys, we want to thank you so much for listening to the podcast and invite you to check out uh, the YouTube channel, Classic Guitar Rock. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Like, share. We appreciate all of that. Again, we we do this for fun, but we love to hear from you. You can always reach out to us via email, classicguitarrock at com. If you are listening on Anchor, you can leave a voice message that we can actually hear and play on the air. So feel free to do that as well. Uh, Any final thoughts, Jeff, before we say Bon Voyage, I am psyched to rock and roll this summer. You and me both. We have our first gig is the 29th of May and uh, really looking forward to it. I think there's a lot of pent up energy out there. People wanting to get back into live music and guys wanting to get back into playing live music. So I, th- I think it's going to be a good summer. So thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Rock see you next week. We'll see uh, all of you on the next episode of the classic guitar rock podcast. Thanks for listening to the classic guitar rock podcast. Please like subscribe and share. You can email us at classic guitar rock at mail.com. We'll see you for the next episode of the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast.